Views expressed on this program are those of the sponsors and do not necessarily reflect the views of the station. Discussions in this show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. Securities offered through Cambridge Investment Research Incorporated, a registered broker-dealer, member FINRA and SIPC. Investment Advisor Representative, Cambridge Investment Research Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor. Indices mentioned are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Asset allocation and diversification strategies cannot assure profit or protect against loss. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Capital Retirement Strategies and Cambridge Investment Research are not affiliated. All right, welcome to our podcast episode... What episode are we on, Steve? Jeez, are we numbering episodes now? I didn't know. Plan for Life Now podcast episode. We're still, and these are still in the 10, the top 10. Oh, yeah, definitely top 10. Right. So first of all, we'd like to thank you for listening to the Plan for Life Now podcast. Steve told me the numbers. It's kind of interesting. Unlike radio ratings, you see exactly who is sort of checking out your podcast. Mm-hmm. We started with 90. We went down to 70. Dave, you're We went us. down to 50. You're selling we went us down short. To <laughs> we started with 97 people listening. Right. And, and we've, we've dwindled down since then. We don't, but now I can tell there's a core of loyal listeners and it's oh, more yeah. than two. It is. So I'm impressed. All right. Thank you guys for uh, listening to our podcast. We We're appreciate it. build it up slowly. We are. And we don't really advertise it very much either. So no, I mean, I've, I've told a lot of people we talk to, you know, I kind of envisioned this. Yeah. We're going to, when, it's necessary to be able to touch on hot topics that are going on right now, but then also use this sort of as an archive library of things that we talk about that maybe a year later, somebody asks a question, you say, boom, check out in the podcast. You can yep, have it archived. Absolutely. Okay. So we start with our Redskin predictions. And what's cool about podcast is most of you, when you listen to this, the game will have already occurred. Hmm. And what's amazing is, up to now, we have not, neither one of us have been right about a game. It's not like we even pick point spreads. No. Which just winners. <laughs> we have not got one, neither one of us has gotten one right yet. So we are 0 and 6. We are nothing right so far. And I'm, I'm pretty sure we're either going to be 2 and 6 or 0 and 8. Because yeah. I'm pretty sure this is the Cleveland game. Right, Redskins against the Cleveland Browns. Most of you listening to this, the game already occurred. So you're saying, oh, I hope Dave and Steve pick X, see if they finally get one right. Well, I'm picking the Redskins Yeah, because we're not going to lose to the Cleveland Browns. I just heard something on the radio today that Cleveland, in their last like 14 games, have only won one. Sounds in their last right. 14 games, dating back to last season, they've won one. I mean, come on. Cleveland is one of the... The franchises in the NFL that as a Redskin fan, you can actually say, I think we might be better, a better franchise than Cleveland. Yeah. But they're one of the one franchises where maybe we could laugh at them a little bit. Right. Well. Now, now I've really cursed. <laughs> oh, like, God. Just- well, I'll tell you what. I'm taking the Redskins. I think we'll finally break the 30-point uh, barrier. I'm going to go with Redskins 31, Cleveland 21. Hmm. I'm going to say it's really going to be an explosion for the offense. I, I'm saying I'm going way out here. I'm saying it's going to be Redskins 42. Uh, now, our defense 
probably not the greatest in the world. So I'm going to say they're going to score weird number 26. So okay. 42 to 26. All right, good. Well, let's hope <laughs> we finally get one of those right. So the other thing going on now is the, and this was today, we're recording this on Thursday, and on Monday evening was the presidential debate Yep. between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. 100 million people tuned in. Hundred. It was actually eighty-two million. Is what oh, really? it turned out to be. Yeah, it was projected know. to be a hundred million. Turned oh, out I to was... be eighty-two million. I have to fact check you on that. A lot of fact checking going on. <laughs> hey, I I was just listening to your new favorite podcast, keeping it sixteen hundred, and they were quoting a hundred million. Oh, okay. But I you know that could... I read somewhere it was eighty-two million. So well, that was matter. them. That was them doing the podcast. You know, five minutes after it ended, so they probably didn't really know. Right. So who won the debate doesn't really matter. Uh, to too many people, well, it might matter, but it doesn't really matter based on today's topic. And today's topic is what our clients, maybe you've been thinking, because we're getting this more in our client meetings now than any other topic as it relates to our feeling on the stock market. And that is, hey, how do you think this presidential election is going to affect the stock market? Now, if you're us, you got to be very careful when a client asks that, because our job is not to, at any time, uh, tell you our political feelings. Political feelings is not what our job is all about. Well, Nor are we going to offend anybody, whether they are a Democrat or a Republican. So the reality is, you know, I think that basically this is a fear for people because half the people out there, just look at the statistics, half the people are going to be uh, freaking out if Hillary Clinton's elected president, and half the people are going to be freaking out if Donald Trump is elected president. Well, I don't think your math is quite right on that. I, I think that um, probably about 40% are going to be freaking out if Trump's elected, 40% of Clinton, and then the other ones are freaking out no matter who's elected. Right. So more people are going to be freaking <laughs> yeah. out than less people no matter what. Right. That's a great point. Um, yeah, because there's, you know, as, as everyone out there has paid attention to seen, you know, there have never been two candidates this disliked in a political election. So, yes, that clearly begs the question of what should I do when it comes to my investments? Should, should I try to predict who's going to win the White House and based on that invest more or invest less? You know, what does this mean for the future? You know, do I need to adjust my retirement plan and put in lower return assumptions, higher return assumptions? You know, do I need to plan for moving to Canada? Like, what what should I do here? So, as we always like to do, um, rather than simply speculating and, you know, bantering back and forth, which is fun. I mean, that's entertaining, right? That's what cable news shows are all about. Let's actually look at some data and some facts as to, in the past, how presidential elections and then also the Senate and the House, how those elections have impacted the stock market long term. So I thought it would be good. And these reports, these analysis have been done by a number of different firms. Um, Now, I wrote down some notes here. This is The first thing that I wanted to touch on, even before I went through some of these historical numbers, we're saying that there will be impacts to people's financial plans that differ based on the candidates, right? So I'm not going to cite this data saying there's no difference. Clearly, there will be differences 
around healthcare, around taxes, maybe around Medicare and Social Security. There are some deep <laughs> right. fundamental differences. It does affect your bottom line. I mean, look at the Affordable Care Act. Sure. Came because Obama was elected president. And so however briefly, that Affordable Care Act affects you, if Obama wasn't elected president and there wasn't also a Democratic well, that's what I was gonna House say. and Senate, you're right, then that wouldn't be there. Yeah. So this is not to say that it, it doesn't have an impact, but when some people get caught up in this idea of I'm not going to put together a financial plan or a retirement plan until I know, you know, that's that's where we would beg to differ, that that shouldn't be the deciding factor of how you put it together a plan or certainly even if you put together a plan. So I found these statistics that I just had in front of me, but now, I've, oh, here it is. Found these statistics that took a look from 1901 through 2016 um, thus far, and it took a look at if we had Democratic president or Republican president. Now, interestingly enough, <laughs> and this analysis was done by a company called MFS, they're a you know investment management firm. Um, I was trying to dig into their methodology, exactly how they calculated this. Was it based on inauguration dates? Is it based on election dates? And it, it wasn't entirely clear. So what the data tells us and what they really break down is how the stock market performed when there was a Democratic president, how it performed when there was a Republican president, and then really breaking that down further into who controlled the House and the Senate. So when you take a look and you say, how did the stock market perform under a Democratic president? Right. right. So this would be Hillary Clinton winning here mm -hmm. and an entirely Republican controlled Congress. Right. Under that scenario, the stock market averaged 8.6% rate of return. Good. Okay. Under a Democratic president and a split Congress, it was even higher, 10.4%. Right. So right. if Hillary Clinton wins, according to this data, mm -hmm. if Hillary Clinton wins, you're we're looking at a eight. Well, no, that's not. Well, it's not going to be all Dem. It's either going to be, you right. know, there's, all Republican Congress or split. Yeah, there's no. So it's going to be eight point six to ten something percent according <laughs> to the data. If Hillary uh, Clinton wins, okay. I, you know what? I was going to even throw in this uh, caveat before I started getting into all of this is that I think that any statistician out there would say, you know. We're splicing these rates of return of a Democratic president, Republican-controlled Congress. I don't know, you know how many times that's happened, but I'm sure any statistician would say your sample size is terrible. All right, but we'll get to that. Yeah, okay. we'll, get to, we'll get to the reality. Let's so, just keep going. <laughs> um, then if we take a look at Republican-controlled Congress um, – you know, with uh, a Democratic, I'm sorry, take that back, Republican controlled White House with a Democratic Congress. It was a little bit lower at 7.4%. And then if you looked at Republican president and a split Congress, that actually had a negative rate of return. Really? Yeah. What about Republican president and a Republican Congress? Because if we have a Republican president, I'd be willing to bet it's going to be all Republican. Well, on the other side as well. That was actually a little lower at 7.1%. So you can look at this data and you can say, 
historically speaking, and I know, you know, some people don't believe this, don't want to hear it, whatever. Historically speaking, Democratic held presidents have had better rates of return. Now, there's, you know, as I was doing this research and I was trying to pull all this together, believe me, there's a million ways to splice this. Right. You know, they will look at this and they'll say, well, if the incumbent party wins, so the incumbent party right now would be if Hillary Clinton wins, that's an average rate of return following that of 14%. If the incumbent party loses, Donald Trump, a negative 4% rate of return. And there's a lot of different ways that you can break down this data and you can look at it. Now, one other thing, there was this one article that, uh, that I found that pointed out some interesting statistics. And one was what we sort of just covered here, which was having a divided Congress. And the idea that having a divided Congress means maybe more gridlock, less is going to get accomplished. But in the investing world... They want the government to be hands off, right? And less ability to pass regulation, right? You know, they they want you know less involvement. Any sort of uncertainty or legislation tends to be negative, you know, for the capital markets. So it bears out that if you you know are listening to some of this data, and I we have started posting, Dave, the links to these articles or studies that we talk about. We post those right below the podcast. So if we're rattling off all these numbers and they're going by too fast, you can go right on the website and say, ah, I want to see that same chart there. You act like you're telling me stuff like I don't go and do this. Yeah. You're pretending like you're informing me of something that I don't go and do myself. Right. (laughs) You've done that. (laughs) No. Okay. But that is good. That is good when you're listening to this. That's, That's the power of the podcast. Yeah, it's nice. Um, here's another interesting thing that, that I found during my in-depth research into um, the effect of presidential elections on the, the capital markets. So we kind of, I don't know, from this data, maybe we agree that, okay, you know, the markets will go up if they're Democrat, or Republican. That's kind of too hard to predict there. Um, how about this as far as the stock market? as a predictive factor for who's going to win the election. Right? Ooh, that's so interesting. Turn, turn this around a little bit. If the stock market is up in the three months before an election, right? chances are the incumbent party is going to win. So basically, um, 12 out of 14 cases where the incumbent won, the stock market was up the three months before the election. In seven out of eight of the elections where the market lost money in those preceding three months, right. the new party right. took charge. Sort of spelled doom for John McCain back in 2008. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah, that's a real good example of that. Now, you know, I read that and I go, wow, that's, that's pretty strong. I mean, you're like 12 out of 14, seven out of eight. But then you come back to it and you say, that's not surprising I mean, we, we know how quickly people's feelings and sentiment change based on getting their monthly statements. You know, by looking at those values and seeing them up or down, people either feel right. happy and euphoria or they feel upset and despair. And it's not surprising that they might vote right along with those feelings. Right. Now, the last 
point that I had written down to make here, and probably the most important point, maybe we should have opened the segment saying this instead, is this is all interesting to look at. It is definitely the most common question that we've been getting in all of our review meetings. But at the end of the day, it should not be the fundamental basis for how you invest. And I'll say it with presidential elections, which clearly can have significant impacts. And then we'll say it with even smaller events where people will say, you know what, I'm going to wait till um, all the quarterly earnings reports come out this quarter. Right. Heard that before. Um, I'm going to wait for the durable goods orders estimates to come out. I mean, just, you know, these things that are much smaller in scale. And the whole reason for this is when we look at an overall financial plan, at the end of the day, it's about can you ride out whatever negative effects might happen in the stock market and hold on to those stocks long enough that you get to achieve you know, these full market cycles. Because time and again, what happens is the stock market goes down. You know, maybe it's because Trump gets elected. Maybe it's because Hillary gets elected. I don't know. You know, well, whatever right. the, the cause, the market goes down and people fear that it's going to go down further or they have to take money out because they've got to live off of it and they sell when the market is down. Now, what have they done? They've given themselves no chance to recover when the market goes back up eventually. Right. But here to me is the, and along the exact same line, just a parallel thought. If I'm for Donald Trump, all right, and Donald Trump wins the election and the market goes down, the psychology is, you know what, let's give Donald Trump a chance. I'm not going to panic. And same thing with Hillary Clinton. If I'm for Hillary Clinton, the market goes down, I'm going to give a chip. But what if you're on the opposite side? What if right now you're saying, I don't know what's going to happen right. if Donald Trump wins? You know, And then Donald Trump wins and the market goes down. Or vice versa. Now you, and then the market goes down, let's say in March or April or mm -hmm. whatever of, of 2017. Now you were, quote, right. Right. This is not the person you wanted in the first place, and you really dislike this person because you're by, you know, the election thing got you all juiced up, or you're just passionate about politics, which is fine, which is good, actually. Um, you should be passionate about your government. But now, now you have an emotional push right. that's going to really want you to. You've got the mixture, the brew of disaster. It's the person I didn't want. I, I'll, you could use either one of the candidates and go through a million reasons why you didn't want them. And the market's going down like I predicted. I'm just going to get on the sidelines for a while. Mm -hmm. that, that is a recipe for a retirement planning disaster. Well, and that's a perfect example. Remember that podcast that we did a couple weeks ago and then I had to scrap it because the audio quality was so bad and then I redid it myself. <laughs> and we talked about investor psychology. One of the investor psychology things that we talked about was confirmation bias. And confirmation bias is this tendency to seek out information that confirms what we had thought before. And that's a perfect example. You know, you see the market going down. This confirms your thoughts that Trump or Hillary would be a disaster. And as a result, you feel smarter, you feel more confident, and you act upon that. Right. And that's, that's a problem. So 
you know, when we put together a financial plan, what we want to do is say, listen, we believe in the long-term power of capitalism, right? We, we've got to believe in that, that long-term capitalism will deploy assets to the most efficient, you know, most efficient way. Along the road, it could be bumpy. <laughs> that might be a result of Hillary. It might be a result of Trump. But if we can ride this out, and we have enough safeguards in place to get to that long term, then we'll be okay. Right. That's that why sounds- you have to have a plan. But that's why you have to have a tangible plan that you can refer back to to say, hey, I'm feeling that bad feeling. I'm feeling the feeling or I'd sure. like to get on the sidelines for a while. Why shouldn't I? Well, that means, at least what we try to do with our clients is say, here's your game plan. <laughs> Even though things are bad now, there is absolutely no reason to fundamentally shift, you know, what we've put together here right? to make a fundamental change. And, and, and if you don't, here's the way things will probably go down the road. But even if things continue to go bad for a while, we've sort of set this thing up and here's tangibly where your money's coming from every month. Here's a, reinforce some of the statistics mm-hmm. that you can never predict the future for sure, but you can certainly look at the past. And, and when you look at everything put together, it should be a factual look at your portfolio and what you've tried to put together. Hopefully, will overcome an emotional move. And this is going to be for many people the same type of emotional move that probably happened between look at between you know J- November. December and January of 2008 and going into 2009 before and even right when Obama was elected and then inaugurated. Your stock market, and you didn't like Obama. You know what? You didn't vote for Obama. You didn't like Obama. You like McCain. Uh, You feel very queasy about Obama for whatever reason. You might still feel that way, but uh, hey, you're on the sidelines and I'm not, you know, I'm out. This is disaster. This, this, uh, the stock market, my, and I'm not getting back in. Just don't feel comfortable. Now, if that was you, you didn't like Obama, and then and things are still bad after he's elected, and you pulled out, and you're going to wait till Obama's done before you go back in. Well, he's not done yet, and you have, in that case, this would be like a a, a huge, huge, as Donald was huge, huge problem well, to your you- retirement plan because of that. You missed out. Emotional bias. I mean, this is the benefit of hindsight sitting here, you know, eight years later. You benefited, you missed out on the greatest stock market recovery in a president's term, right? So you missed out on a bigger run. Now, I'm not going to give Obama credit for that, take away credit. It just is what it is. Right. And on the same side, I'll flip that around. You had your money out of the stock market for a while, and then you've wanted Obama. And when Obama was elected, you felt super confident, I'm going back into stocks now. Why is that dangerous? Because now you think you're smart. Yeah. You think because the president you wanted, and it did turn out good, right. that now you know what you're doing for the next time. But the next time will be the disaster. Yeah. You can get lucky once, you can get lucky twice. but There can't be one time of this when right. it comes to retirement planning these days. Yeah. Y- you really have to... You really have to be on point when it comes to this. All right. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back next week. We'll try to be a little more regular doing these um, every single week. And and we'll tackle more tough topics just like this next week. I think the toughest one is still our Redskin predictions. (laughs) It's very tough for us, man.